My next guests are a rock and roll duo from Seattle, and they're also twins. They've been working their way up the ladder by sticking to the mindset of consistently grinding and having resilience. They were asked to perform at Seattle's Relief Concert, which airs June 24th on King 5. The concert also features Macklemore, Sierra, Sir Mix-a-Lot, among many other talented Seattle artists. It's my pleasure to introduce the Black Tones. Welcome back, everyone. Today I'm with two very special guests, Eve and Cedric from the one and only rock band, The Black Tones. <laughs> so um, uh, I was doing a lot of research on you guys, and I, uh, I stumbled across your guys' video game, so I, uh, I played that this morning. <laughs> Great. Yeah. I always forget that that's out there. <laughs> And the, the trick is that you want to always like be hunched over and just kick, 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 because then they, the guys can like punch you or jump kick you. So if you just duck down the whole time, it's, it's easy. You can't give away the secret. <laughs> well, I don't want people to easily beat it. I, I, I hate when I lose and I'm like, oh my God, the Klansman won. Like, we so, <laughs> like, no, that's not a good result. Yeah, right. Dude, that was like, that was awesome promotion because you did you tie that into your you put that song into your album also um like a year or two ago right yeah. that was a that was dope i just listened to that so you guys are you guys are still like a newer group aren't you um as far as uh as far as, as far as on the scene i would say like and, and kind of breaking out yes we we mm-hmm. we've been a band, or we played together. We've been playing together for years, because yeah. <laughs> we're related. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, um, but I guess kind of like being on the scene, mm-hmm. very actively. Yeah, 
guess you could say new. Yeah. <laughs> Only yeah, to fun, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever you guys have done to do promotion, you guys have killed it. Like getting part of that relief concert coming up, that's pretty big. Yeah, well, um, we have a really great manager named Devon Manier, and uh, he's just, he's done this stuff before with managing bands and he's just really good at networking and connecting with people and he's learning with us and i just really admire him um but i think the thing that uh makes it stick out or us i guess stick out is just the the aesthetic of everything the rock and roll the uh, black power unapologetic and just kind of taking risk um but we I have to give credit to um, a couple of people that recommended us for this, which I didn't know. And um, our friend Mary Lambert recommended us, who's also on the lineup, as well as uh, Chris Adams, who works with works really close with Mike McCready of uh, Pearl Jam. And mm. he also, so he, those were the two, I guess, people that recommended us. And so when we got contacted for this, I was looking at the lineup and I was like, are they sure? That's exactly how. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? Like, oh. like, wait, yes, but also is this a joke? <laughs> oh my gosh! So how you, how is it going to be performed? Is it going to be over Zoom or like how are they setting it all up? Um. So what we did is we actually uh, pre-recorded it already. Um, and I think that's what other people are. I hope I'm allowed to give all this information away, but uh, <laughs> pre-recorded. And so I think they're just kind of compiling everything um, and making it into a production. Some people might be live. That I don't know. I just know our part. Um, we pre-recorded pre everything uh, about two, three weeks, three two weeks, weeks ago. ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that makes sense. So I'm guessing you're trying to promote social distancing, right? And so obviously we can't all be in the same room and it makes it much easier to just pre-record things instead of trying to time it like, okay, well now go to their feet. You know what I mean? Like it would just probably be a mess if they tried mm -hmm. any other way. Right. So. Yeah. Like, especially if like the Wi-Fi dropped or something, you know what I mean? that could be a big, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like leave it to the smallest band on the bill to like have the Wi-Fi drop. Right? <laughs> oh my God. Uh, we pre-recorded this. <laughs> <laughs> But you guys have done a good job of like, getting into like news outlets. Like, how did you guys go about doing that? Because um, I'm one of the things I do with this podcast is for artists to give advice to other artists. Um, I mainly focus with um hip hop artists or pop artists, but I always want to expand. And um, I always it feels like rock artists kind of have a different way of going about with connect with the media in Seattle versus like the hip hop artists. They kind of sometimes have a harder time working with these outlets. Um. Like I said, a lot of it is our management, and we had um, a pu publicity company we were working with. And really, when you can, when you have either if it, if it's you that can do that, the managing, when you have that, some kind of organization, and um, some PR, even if it's just like a monthly thing, you pay them monthly or whatever. Um, all those things help. A lot of people kind of feel like if they're not signed to a label, then they can't do anything. But there's a lot of things that um, you can kind of do if you just have a team of even just like four people. Um, and so uh, it helps that, I mean, we've grown up, we were born and raised in Seattle. And so we know kind of a lot of resources here. And so that helps as well. And, and networking mm -hmm. be really, really shy. 
um, as a when I was younger, and then I, I don't know, something happened, and I started talking too much and didn't <laughs> say anything. And so, like, I also had to kind of get to the point where I was like, I need to be able to talk to people and be able to network with people before having management. When I was just managing the band, um, kind of putting yourself out there and um, basically getting a hundred no's to like one yes, you know, and kind of mm-hmm. getting used to that. Um, and putting yourself in slightly uncomfortable situations, um, not anything extreme, um, <laughs> but you know, like just kind of getting out of your comfort zone and, and really just talking to people and, and being nice to people. If I have advice on how to get like support from um, even just, just fans and, or whoever, it's like be a good person. Nobody wants to work with an asshole. No, no one does. It doesn't matter what your status is. Um, if you're a jerk, you're a jerk, and nobody wants to work with you. So I think it's important to be really to, to be a nice person. And a lot of it too is like we put in a lot of work. I have to give us a little bit, a little pat on the back. Um, like I said, we've been at it for about eight, nine years, and it's just now starting to kind of, uh, you know, look like we're breaking out, right? And everybody's like, "Oh, who's this band?" You know, and so you know what. The other advice I give is you have to just keep going and you got to be resilient and, uh, in, in, you know, working on your craft and performing shows. And obviously that's a hard thing to do now amongst the pandemic, right? Uh, but trying to find ways to, you know, even live stream or stuff like that. Like you just have to be consistent. And I know year five will come around and you're, and people will wonder, well, how come I'm not getting any traction or, you know what I mean? Like resiliency is, is definitely a, a big part in it. And, and just, you know, if you're really passionate about it, just staying the course. Yeah. For sure. Like, I mean, Beyonce, the most famous person in the world is still grinding. If she's still grinding in, it, in this music industry, we all need to be grinding still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's never like, Okay, I'm just I'm done. It's done. It all happened. Everything else is gonna just fall into place afterwards. It's like no, it's a continuous grind with any job, with anything. <laughs> um, people want to grind and always get better and keep learning. So um, yes, maybe year one, two, three, four, seven has passed, but that's what it is. That's all part of it. <laughs> we've had for sure we've had pretty big shows where we you know opened for Weezer and you know opened for Mavis Staples and stuff like that and. You know, there's been plenty of times where we could have been like, oh, we made it, you know, yeah. like, but no. Atlantic Records are going to be calling any minute now. Like, that's not how it works. Our our model, and most people have heard of this, but, you know, we've adopted it too because we obviously didn't make it up. But it, it's to stay hungry and humble and keep going, you know what I mean? And, and just because this is what we're passionate about. This is what we want to do. And it's always great to celebrate those you know, what, we, what you would call a big win or a big show and stuff like that. But then remember that you still got, you know, a lot more success in front of you. And why you started to do this in the first place, because you just love what you do, love the music. Um, I mean, if it was just about how many people can, you know, see me and, and be famous and blah, 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 I would have been like, well, I'm done after Weezer. But it's like, <laughs> it's not that. It's like, I love music. Like, right. my entire life is just mm-hmm. has been love for music the most consistent thing out of any of like my interests has been music um so yeah if you like it for sure keep doing it even at, after year seven <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs>
for sure. You got to keep that grind. And I, I love that you guys are so unique, and that's super important in Seattle and any media outlet anyways to be unique and being like a black duo that's a twins, you know, like that's insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fun. <laughs> so how did you guys get your start? So did you guys go to school for it at all, or you just because you came into it? Like I, from my understanding, you taught him how to play the drums or something like that? Yeah. I know. I so I, I saw Eva perform at – it was folk life, right? Yeah. I, I always forget. It, it was folk life <laughs> festival, uh, you know, over there at Seattle Center, and she had finally told her family, "Hey, you guys want to come see me perform?" And we're like, "You do music? Like what?" Like, I never you know, told them. <laughs> like we knew that she played like the flute in band, you know, in school, and I was terrible at the trumpet. I mean, I was like, right, but like, you know, and so I, I do remember in tenth grade, Eva got a guitar from one of her teachers and kind of just took off with it, you know, meanwhile, I was kind of going towards the sports direction. And, uh, you know, we we're still twins, still very close, but kind of a sign of just like how you know, she was very artsy. I was very sportsy, but we were still very close, you know, and I feel like it brought our school together. That's a whole other story. Uh, so we went to go see her and she started performing this solo little acoustic number. And, you know, she likes to tell people that, you know, he was falling. No, I was moved is what it was and so you know i i, I kind of i i saw her singing and i was like wow like her voice is beautiful and i knew eva was very musically talented and inclined and so i told her uh i think that was it that same summer mm -hmm. uh in june um i said hey eva like i want to you know start a band with you i want to be your drummer can you kind of play drums and she's like yeah of course i can so uh Shout out to Seattle Drum School, and uh, they let us come in there for free, actually. And, you know, we practiced and practiced and practiced, and Eva basically kind of molded me into that drummer that she wanted, you know, and uh, now we have the Black Tones. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there would be no Black Tones if it wasn't for this guy. Um, I, it wouldn't <laughs> exist. And so I the can't fact sing, that... so that's not true. <laughs> he was willing to invest in something that I just loved to do for so long, I was so excited that when he was like, I want to learn drums and back you up. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, because like, I'm trying to pursue this and this is like, really? And so, um, yeah, the fact that we did that uh, one summer and it, it, I think we started the lessons on our birthday, mm -hmm. right? And um, yeah, we just kind of like, I ha after he, you know, was able to play stuff and <laughs> really fast, um, I was like, so I have these songs written you want to like try them I guess <laughs> and so um we figured it out and then we kind of created a, a, a short set list and uh the Black Tones actually used to be four people so there's been members that have gone through it um but it's you know it's mainly me and him it's like our our baby um but uh yeah we just we started our first show was at the Lucid Lounge in the U District I don't even know if it's there anymore it um but uh it started in my grandma's basement uh, she was like, we were like, we want to start a band and we, can we rehearse here? And, uh, she's just like, absolutely. And our family is, has just been so supportive. I mean, we come from mm. a family of educators and engineers and really and master's degrees and really smart, educated people, smart, educated, amazing black people and, uh, Southerners to be specific. And, mm. um, we didn't finish college. Uh, we attended, 
but didn't finish. I was studying music and then I decided like, I got to a certain point in music theory where too much math was involved. And I was like, this is hard. I just want to play rock and roll. Um, and then I changed it to wanting to be a sign language interpreter. So I did some of that, but then they cut the program certified because they rather at that time bail out banks and fund education it was during the iraq war um and so i was like i'm just gonna do music i can't do any more school i'm kind of done with this and the fact that the kind of family we come from um i i i don't know i i, I guess coming from a bunch of a lot of educators who attend church weekly for them to be like oh you want to stop going to college and start a rock band, like okay, cool. And I, wow. kind of, I confronted my mom with that actually just a couple of years ago. I was like, Mom, I'm really, I don't know why, but surprised at how supportive you guys are. Like, I didn't finish school. We're doing this. My mom's like, Are you happy? Like, yeah. She goes, That's all that matters to me. And I was like, Whew. Okay, thanks. You're the greatest in the world. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> and she goes, And you guys are really good. If you guys were bad, then maybe. This <laughs> yeah. but you guys are really good um and so when you have this it's really good to have um some support from like uh people that will keep you grounded and that will tell you if you sound bad so that being your family whether that's blood or chosen and we're fortunate enough for it to be our uh, blood family um who's just incredibly supportive of everything our mother and sister come up on stage and perform with us and sing we had our mom tap dance at one of the shows we did um it's just like our family loves it and we've been able to be successful in it um, because of that support from them. Um, and we're very, our family's very, very close. And so I just feel um, as a black woman, I actually like, I feel so privileged to get to do this and have the support of, uh, of my very smart, educated family <laughs> who put like sure. college here, you know, <laughs> mm, for sure. So I'm so thankful for them. So what's the importance of being black in Seattle for you guys? You know, like you're part of this rock band, which is, that's crazy. Just to be a black rock band, like you don't see it that much. Like the only like big black rocker I can think of, and he's not even that much of like a rock guy, is uh, Gary Clark Jr. Like he's like amazing, you know? Yeah. And it's just, so what's that feel like to be part of that in this community in Seattle? I think, I think it's, it's really, it's fun as you said, for the most part, most people see it as like, oh, this is great and this is different. Um, <clears throat> but I, I do also think that we bring uh, a, an element of education to the table and an element of fun and all that jazz when you, people come to shows. You know, people come with the expectations of like, oh, this should be fun or this might be real bluesy and this, that and the other. But, you know, it's, it's rock and roll. And, you know, when we first started, Eva was really great at explaining to the crowd like you can't have rock and roll without uh blues and and, and, gospel. and gospel and black people and and really telling people that the roots of rock and roll come from black people so as much mm -hmm. as it is a surprise for people to see us get on stage and be like oh these black people are rocking out then there's always that educational aspect of eva saying remember everybody you can't have this without us you know and they're like oh wow like i didn't know that and she even gets into the facts of you know how what was it led zeppelin and yeah and all these people were influenced by black blues artists you know what i mean and so it's 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 fun doing it in seattle and it's great because obviously seattle predominantly white and stuff like that but it's also great that 
people come for education. It's always great to see black people from Seattle come to the shows and see another black band and, and look at themselves like, I connect with you because I love rock music and I don't get to see that many black people rocking out. You know what I mean? And so that's the other important part is just representation and, and letting uh, you know these kids know that I like rock music. Like, yes, it's okay for you to like rock music. I, I remember specifically in high school keeping it to myself because I didn't think it was something black a black man should be should have been doing, you know, like I don't want to tell my friends I was listening to rock and roll music. You know, I didn't want them to think I was a loser. So, you know, I, <laughs> when that song came on, I just turned my, you know, my iPod shuffle down a little bit, you know? But, uh, <laughs> and I think uh, to add to that, yeah, I absolutely agree with everything you said. And to add to that, I feel like what we're doing um, by just being present in this genre is just putting that history stamp back on the genre and letting, and letting people know that, it is black music uh, historically um and as cedric said i would give examples about like i would ask the crowd like how many of you have heard of led zeppelin and 90 percent of the hands well more like 100 percent of the hands go in the air and i'd say how many of you have heard of robert johnson maybe about 50 40 percent and then i say how many of you have heard of sunhouse and like i don't know five percent raise their hand and it's like sunhouse black blues musician who was a mentor of robert johnson uh, Robert Johnson, big influence on uh, Led Zeppelin. They like mentioned him in their Rock and Roll Hall of Fame speech. The Rolling Stones named their band after Muddy Waters' song. Um, I mean, it's just you go further and further back in uh, rock music history. It's very, very black, and um, a lot of people in Europe were listening to the black blues musicians versus over here in America, where it was just kind of like Elvis or nothing or whatever, mm. and um, they were listening to the black blues musicians who recorded things in the 20s and in the 30s, um, thanks to people like, you know, Harry Smith and um, stuff like that. And uh, that's why you have the, the British Invasion music that's very soulful because um, of the black musicians they were listening to in America. Um, and so going into that history just kind of makes people go like, whoa, I didn't even know that. And that's why education is so important because then you'll, you'll hear less and less, which I've been hearing less and less um, of people, white people specifically, and black people approaching black rockers and being like, oh, you're so white. Or are you like, why are you so white? You like mm. rock, that's such a white thing. And I hear that honestly less and less because the education has been out there of how black rock world actually is with uh, Sister Rosetta Tharp and um, people like that. And so um, that's been, I mean, that's what we try to bring to the table when we do our shows is just to education. And, and like Cedric said, representation is so important to me, especially for the kids. Um, I remember being mm -hmm. a kid and not seeing myself in rock and roll. And it wasn't until high school when I, a friend showed me Jimi Hendrix and I was like, whoa, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> and that changed my life. Um, it kind of, it destroyed me in the best way possible. <laughs> for sure <laughs> yeah have you um i don't know what it's called but i've been going like when i drive through seattle like there's like there's like electrical boxes and there's like portraits of like different artists on them yeah, uh -huh, uh -huh. like there's like I've, i wonder who does those because i see them like all i thought it was just like in downtown or west seattle but i've seen like all over the greater seattle area i think like, it's oh there's Jimi hendrix i think it's multiple different artists i, I actually so. talked to somebody about that uh, God, it was a while ago because I was trying to figure that out too. And I'm pretty sure it's multiple different artists. I don't know their names, so I'm not going to 
name drop anybody that's incorrect, but I'm pretty sure it's a, it's a ton of different artists around Seattle doing that, which is really awesome. Hmm. For sure. So what is the importance of like connecting with your community, whether it's local shops, programs, charities? Um, sorry, say the question again. Why it's important? Is that what did you say? Why? It's what's the important? What's the importance of that to you? Oh, what's the importance of that? To um, well, like growing up in this this city, it only feels uh, right to kind of give back to the city that supported us in <clears throat> our music career um, thus far, and um, we. Charity has always been important to me. Activism has always been important to me. For I produced my first concert when I was 16 and went to um, a family that was uh, victims of Hurricane Katrina. Um, and mm. did one for uh, to help fight the AIDS epidemic in Sub-Saharan Africa as my senior project. Um, so activism has just always been important to me. Um, empathy is like a strength and a weakness of mine. Um, I agree. Um, <laughs> I agree. But it just you know, we've done pretty well in the city. And so why wouldn't we return that back? You know, it's just, um, we want to be in a community that's thriving and that has a lot of music of many different cultures, uh, which Seattle could use more of. Um, and we want to contribute to that because we don't want just people looking at our shows and coming to our shows, I want to go to shows and have fun and uh, be entertained as well. And so we try to support and uplift local musicians that we really believe in. And I try to, to do that on KEXP. I do the Audio Oasis show, which is the Northwest show, the Pacific Northwest show. Um, and then we have a television show called Video Bebop. And we put, uh, we play music videos from artists of the Northwest. So we try to, uh, with our platform, create more platforms for other artists and to bring other people up. Because as fun and as great as it is to be, to be like that black band in Seattle that people, one of the first things mm. that come out of their mouth is the black tone. Um, I want the majority of art mm -hmm. here to be uh, people of color and to be successful. Um, I, it, it doesn't take one band. It doesn't take one person. I want a community of black musicians, a community of diverse uh, POC uh, people thriving in the city um, it's when you get to that it gets dangerous and this happens to some people when they're known as something and known as like maybe one of the only ones of that but wants to remain that mm. one you know and um, to me that's just it's it's not productive it's not considerate it's not progressive at all mm. um, and uh, I would like to see a million Black Tones bands in Seattle. I mean, that would be great. Um, and so I think that's what we try to do through our platforms with um, um, with our TV show um, and with and what I try to do on KEXP. And when we do big shows like Weezer and we played with Death Cab for Cutie twice and Mavis Staples, we will feature some of our friends. We're like, hey, come do a song with us. And then people will be like, wow, I saw so-and-so play with you at the Showbox and I'm looking into her music now, and she's a great singer, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, yeah, go investigate, go. And putting other people on, that's so important to us. I want a thriving community that I can also enjoy um, as a musician. And if I ever decide to stop, I, like, I want that for myself as well, what people mm -hmm. out of us, you know? I know the, the give back was always something that we talked about as being important. If we were to able, get, able to get to a level where we could do that. 
And even, you know, when we had our Chop Suey show, which was our album release, and just brought two new bands up there Brand that new. no one had ever heard of. And now they're kind of slowly moving in the right upward trajectory. And Both uh, fronted by black women uh, exactly. musicians. And so we, we've always, even during COVID-19, when that started, we decided, you know, people were buying merch and buying uh, all different kinds of uh, album, our, our album and stuff. And so we decided, hey, we're going to give out money to our, you know, some of our favorite musicians in the community, you know, and whether that was black or white, just to give back to the community. And I think that we almost got to about a thousand dollars over a span of like uh, just paying three months. Individual mm-hmm. artists. Just paying individual like artists. Like every two weeks, we exactly. would just pick out musicians we wanted to and give money just to. Because when you, when the community thrives, right, you know, and I like to, I, I usually like to give the example of like, uh, like the international district to me is a is a community that is is constantly always productive because the, the people always give back to their people and they're always paying, you know, they're going to their restaurants, they're going to their stores and they keep that community thriving. And it's something that, you know, you know, whether you're a mixed community or, you know, international district, whatever uh, it may be, like, or music community, you know what I mean? If you're constantly cycling, uh, you know, that money or whatever that may be, you know, within each other, you know, it keeps the community thriving. And so like, I think people forget that and people usually get into their like, oh, well, this is mine. And you know what I mean? Like, no, like let's, let's all give it back and we'll all, you know, grow together in this. And remember mm-hmm. that time's only gonna move forward. We're not gonna be the relevant thing always. And so mm-hmm. how do we uh, create a future where opportunity for more musicians that look like us um, have the op- the same opportunities that we have, you know, um, when we're older and have grandkids or just kids, whatever, um, I want to be able to, to be like, cool, we helped like, kind of like, we helped to, to make this community um, colorful, very colorful, and specifically in the rock genre, you know, um, that's, that's like, way important uh, to us is like, what, what is the future going to look like? And if we're, you know, quote unquote, the only ones doing it or should be doing it, um, it's just going to go back to how it was. And that's very, very white. Um, and there were people doing it before us. We didn't break any ground or anything. <laughs> um, I mean, bands like Image and bands like that. But um, and we're just trying to figure out how, since we have this position, how we can do more so the future kind of stays consistent uh, consistently fair and the opportunities there for um, for POC people and POC bands and it's not looked at as this like weird strange thing like rock black rockers what is that um, to just um, normalize bring, normalize bring that history make that history you know what it is for sure do you find the rock community pretty supportive like do you think everyone's like one big family, or do you think people are kind of against each other in Seattle when it comes to rock? Because for hip hop, there is a there's pretty a big divide. Like they like to section it off between like people up north, Seattle, Tacoma. It's pretty. There's a lot of barriers, and my goal is to like break those down. And um, it's interesting to see how other music categories or genres deal with that. Yeah, and and let me say that I love 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 hip hop music so much, and have so much respect for it. And I wish those barriers weren't there either because um, hip hop music 
to me is one of the true forms of folk music. I mean, they're talking about real things in their communities. Um, uh, songs like, like, I love Bone Doesn't Harm Me, right? So yes. like, you don't get any folkier than a song called First of the Month. You know how many communities uh, um, are represented in that song or that people can say like, that applies to me. I mean, that's, that's folk music. That's exactly what it, uh, the messages it portrays. And so, um, yes, I, I, I wish hip hop would break those divisions down, those barriers, because they all have, you know, they're all relative. And um, I feel like are a true form, one of the few true forms left that talk about, um, that's relevant to American history, um, that has a lot of important stories uh, within American history. And uh, with the rock scene, there is some of that. I feel like there's a little bit of both of that. There's there's the rock people that like want to all be a community and everything. And then there's the rock people that's just like, well, uh, what can I call them? Like, they're kind of along the lines of like gearheads. Like you don't have like, Certain, if you're not playing a certain instrument or tap mm. ear, you're not a real musician, or um, it's not heavy enough. It's it's not metal. It's too cheesy, you know. So there's there's a little bit of that, um, and that's mostly I feel like I've experienced within genres of rock and roll, um, and mainly with like what's heavy and what's not heavy, and it's just kind of ridiculous because I like all kinds of music. Um, but yeah, there's there's a there's a little bit of that, but there's also a, a community that we've been able to be a part of that's been very supportive and that we give our support to as well. Um, um, but I feel like with us, we kind of span out as far as support goes through multiple genres. Because uh, I mm -hmm. love hip hop and I love blues and I love country. I was listening to Loretta Lynn this morning like eight times, like the same song. I uh, love country music. Um, and so, and, and then being a, a KXP DJ, I have to be aware of all the genres. I don't just play rock music on all the Oasis. It's got to be a little bit of everything. And I want it to be a little bit of everything. Um, so, yeah, I hope that kind of answers it. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, for sure. standing on what Eva said, I, I think she was kind of leading to the direct point there that the, the rock scene is kind of divided into those two. There's those. There's people who want to be community, respect the music that everyone plays and brings to the table. And then there's that segment, and it's a smaller segment, they're not the bigger one by no means, that, as Eva said, is kind of the gearheadish, you're not hitting the kick drum enough for me kind of people, uh, you know, how many inches on your head on your toms and what stuff and it's you should like, try this pedal because yeah. it'll sound like radiohead and it's kind of like i you know the first drum kit i played on was built through goodwill you know what i mean um i don't read music i just play by ear you know what i mean and i'm just, I'm, really? I'm just there to feel it you know what i mean and like i don't you know that's like what i'm there to do like i'm not there to have some like crazy deep conversation like and and i I'm not, I'm not like saying that you can't be that or or do that i would never say that you know that's a bad thing what i would say is for those people who are like that to not make the people who aren't like that feel bad you know what i mean because like they there is that there you know what i mean and it's kind of like you know everybody has their own style of like 
coming at music, you know what I mean? And there is no right way, there is no wrong way. And you can just, you know, you can respect everybody for whatever angle they come at, you know what and, I mean? And it's important because as far as sure. the gear conversation goes, it's very classist to just be like, oh, well, you should get this guitar, this $3,000 guitar. It's like, you can't afford those things. Exactly. Um, you know, and, and when you talk, and, and those are also the same people who worship, you know, Robert Johnson, Sunhouse, and Blind Lemon Jefferson, who are playing on beat up guitars. It's like, they weren't playing $3,000 guitars. And it's like, and we didn't start that way. We couldn't afford that kind of stuff. And so um, it's very like classist to just kind of assume or be like, you won't be this good if you don't have this. And that was one of the, one of the things I respect about hip hop music is, um, Cause you have your, the people who are like, oh, hip hop people aren't real musicians. Like they don't play instruments, blah, 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 blah. And not to generalize the hip hop population as I say this, but there are people within those communities that can't afford lessons every week or like maybe the instrument that they want. And so how smart is it and how like kind of magical is it to dig through records and sample stuff and then make sample. another song out of it? That's incredible. I couldn't, I, I've been playing guitar for 12 years. People are like, oh, you shred. I wish I could do something like that from a vinyl record. And then they listen to lots of music, not just, I mean, they sample from everything. I mean, Jay-Z has sampled Kraftwerk, like a 70s German band. Um, I mean, they're listening to all kinds of music and they're ripping it and then they're making it to this whole other thing while speaking about their communities and I mean it's it's incredible I'm like they are artists and I consider them musicians as well um, because the word music is in the word musician someone who creates music it's not instrumentalist as far as <laughs> playing an actual technical technically playing an instrument so they are musicians you know what I mean I just think people kind of lost the meaning and don't actually know what the word musician means and so they throw dumb shit around like that so <laughs> yeah i feel that <laughs> so is it hard to stand out in the rock scene because the rock scene that's what everyone when they think about seattle and music they think of like that grungy that rocks and it's a huge part of seattle so what does it take to stand out in that scene i think a lot of that you know from my perspective goes back to how i answered it before and kind of how you were saying about you know how did you guys get to where you're at and how you get some of the promotion you're at and it's like a lot of it is resiliency and a lot of it is, is staying the course like it because there's a lot of people who think unfortunately that you know you play a set or two and after a year or two that everybody should just know who you are you know and like it hmm. doesn't happen that way really and you can ask any musician that i know i've talked to they you know they'll say like yeah i've been doing this for 10 12 years and now i'm just now starting to you know finally break out you know what i mean like it, it takes time and the unfortunate part of that is you know there's a lot of people who are just now hearing about us and they're like oh wow like these guys are really awesome and you know there's a lot of people that think that oh well they've just been you know they must have just got famous awesome like no we've been like we've been at this for quite some time you know what i mean like you know and you can't you can't dismiss the fact that a lot of these musicians have been working really 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 hard you know uh I'm, that's not to say there has been those overnight YouTube sensations and stuff like that. I'm not saying that that doesn't exist, but for the most part, you know, uh, 
to stand out, you have to work hard. You have to. It's it, it goes without saying that you you got to be resilient. And as black rock musicians uh, starting off in Seattle, uh, we had to put in two hundred percent more, you know, like effort mm -hmm. and work to be taken seriously as rock and roll musicians. Unfortunately, um, and. I think one of the things that I would tell my younger self and other people is to take risk. I think too many times people think, which is why a lot of music starts to sound the same, is that um, people think there's a formula into uh, mm. making a song and like, well, what'll make it sell? But stand out, be interesting, you know? I have a song about a spider, about me having a conversation with a spider <laughs> that I think is going to kill me. That's exactly how I feel every time I see a spider, because I hate them. Same. And, I, yes. and I, they're like, just singling me out, right? So I wrote this psycho arachnophobia song about it. You know, and this, and, and Ghetto Spaceship is just a song about sex. A Key of Black is about um, police brutality and, and hate groups. And uh, just, and, and Welcome Mr. Pink, the last track is about our father, who was a bank robber in the late 80s, early uh, 90s. And finding things within our own family history to, to write music about. So also just kind of staying true to like your history, what's you, uh, what's what you're about, and just kind of going off of that and taking risks and, and trying to sound interesting. But get out of this thought that there's a formula you have to follow because I was like that for years. It's like, okay, how do I make it sound like this? Because people are responding to this person. But they're responding to that person because that person was original and that's why. And so I've learned to like just be more original. And as far as live shows go, which I know is kind of hard right now, um, I mean, we go crazy on stage as far as like trying to entertain everyone, performing to the people in the back. The first time we played the show box ever, um, we did it in our underwear because we were like, man, so if we're ever going to be here again, so let's do this in our underwear. That was not my idea. <laughs> I was like, guys, it's New Year's Eve, let's do it. And have mom on stage too, but my mom had her clothes. Um, <laughs> But just like fun things like that. Like I, I love the Red Hot Chili Peppers for stuff like that. Just taking risks. Um, risks are fun. And sometimes people aren't going to like it. Maybe someone will walk out because they don't want to see you in, in Space Galaxy. That's okay. Whatever. That way you're weaning out your crowd and picking out, okay, who's your, who's, who's your ride or die like fan base, right? You know, everyone's mm -hmm. not going to like what you do. And you have to be okay with that. With Absolutely. people not liking what you do. Um, the video of us on YouTube, there's people like, I like this song, but man, she needs guitar lessons. Or man, I like this, but it's so simple. Oh, it's so boring. It's just two chords. It's like, you know what? I played two chords and I loved it. So the whole song are those two chords and you don't have to listen to it. And you just, you have to, you have to be okay with that. And I'm sensitive, you know, like I get like, oh, that's, that stinks. I wish you liked it. But in the end, I'm like, I also, we also haven't gotten as far as we've gotten because we completely cared about what other people thought about it, you know? <laughs> it goes right back to resiliency. Like, you have to fight through everything. Everything that, like, everything that comes at you isn't always going to be cupcake and ice cream, you know? And that's a true of what you do. And being black, they're specifically really going to criticize you because they're going to try to find everything that's wrong with it. So that's mm -hmm. what, 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 what people do to black musicians, you know? Um, as my grandpa said, you have to, because uh, he was a black engineer, one of the first black engineers at the Boeing and Kent, and um, lead engineer, I should say. And uh, he was like, as a black person, you have to do two, three times better than what your white 
like peers are doing, you know, to be considered just equally as good as them, you know, because uh, mm -hmm. we're still in America and we get that it's 2020, but there's a lot of other people that don't get that it's 2020. <laughs> For some reason, race is still an issue <laughs> in people's minds and uh, it, it, it's crazy. <laughs> So, so what are you guys' opinions? I mean, what are your um, opinions? Tell me more about this TV show. That's what I want to know about. Like, that, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's the Northwest music video show. So we get music videos from Washington, Oregon, Idaho, I guess Montana, you can throw in there. Uh, Northern California? Um, I don't know. If we, I kind of stick to the same regions as all the way. Okay, yeah, smart. So like... <laughs> See, and it's kind of what Eva was saying before. It's another way of giving back, right? It's our way of providing another platform for musicians in the Northwest to share their visual art as well, you know, on top and of And for music. visual artists who specifically just do the music videos and maybe they don't do the music part of it. Exactly. And so what, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry. So what Eva and I were trying to, you know, take here is like we don't want people to like turn on video bebop and he's like oh it's just more of the black tones and blah, blah, blah. you know what i mean like we wanted to as i just said like provide a an outlet and something for people to also enjoy music videos you know what i mean it's been i don't know ages since you've been able to sit down and turn on your tv and watch a music video you know like nowadays you got to go on youtube you know search through a vivo account and you know maybe you know a lot of these local artists don't have an opportunity to do that you know or even get their video seen throwing it out in the youtube outer space you know yeah what I mean? the internet is huge and i feel like um it just gets lost within all of those other videos my fiance is a writer and he said he would have people he because he's the main creator of the show he said uh he would get people asking him hey can you premiere my music video can you premiere it? and he's like there's not really a decent outlets your music videos before it's all just lost in this vastness of the internet um so he was like man it'd be cool to like put it on tv and we're 90s kids i mean we watched mtv vh1 box mm -hmm. the box music <laughs> network um exactly and like you know um liquid television which was part of mtv uh but like we were like okay let's do some kind of you know music video show and so originally here's a little bit of the history of it originally the show was going to be on um channel 11 and on cw 11 and so we went into cw 11's office and we proposed a show two shows actually video uh video bebop but at the time there wasn't a name for it and the show i had in mind called soul coffee which we can talk about that later <laughs> um, and so um they love the music video show idea because they're like, okay, we can do that one almost immediately. And these local shows, like, like local content, need to kind of have that understation. And they kind of changed the name. And, and this is no bash at W11. Thank you guys for giving us, for even meeting with us. Um, uh, they kind of changed the name to, uh, what was it? Video, Eva, Eva, Eva and Jake's Video Vault. Oh, praying. I'll say it. <laughs> Video vault, and it was just it, it got it kind of it got scripted, and we made a pilot. They sent it out to CBS in New York, and like they liked it. They're like, great, let's do it. But we were kind of like, there's not a lot of our own creative process in this. And then there was a whole financial thing with whatever. And so we decided to pull it from CBS's company and instead 
take it to a channel that we have in Seattle called the Seattle Channel um, because hmm. we have a little bit more creative, uh, I guess, control, creative control over it. And so what they were able to do was just provide us the broadcast space. So we met with the Seattle Channel, and um, I was sitting up one morning coming up with names for the show, and I was looking up synonyms for uh, for the word music and synonyms for the word, like, uh video and so i found a synonym for the word music i liked which was bebop and so i was like oh i just was like on thesaurus.com right and so i was like video bebop I was like, ah this is it this is it it's video bebop um and like i said cw did not like that name uh the seattle channel <laughs> was fine i was like i am very stubborn this is the name of the show um and so uh seattle channel which is on channel 21 on if you have xfinity um we're like yeah we like it go ahead do it so we um started video bebop on january of this year did mm -hmm. it just start this year of this year we just did mm -hmm. our season finale this month um and the theme for that was juneteenth um and yeah we it's, it's just nice to like be able to put like people like musicians that are also hungry you know for this have their music videos and like be able to put on television they're just like like thank you for for, for having this platform because um, a lot of people still put out music videos but it's really hard to there's a lot going on on the internet it's very distracting it's still very much online though we do also have yes. a youtube channel because as it's said, 2020 yeah. it has to be online yeah. Yeah. it can't just be on tv we still have to use the internet yeah. but, it's, but it is on tv it is on tv <laughs> So how do artists connect with this and get on the show? So they can email uh, videobeboptv at gmail.com is the website and or is the, the email that they can submit music videos or um, inquiries about anything. We'd love to have special guests eventually. Um, we're kind of moving locations. We were at the Columbia City Theater, but with the COVID-19, they closed down, unfortunately. Mm. Um, but... Uh, Sonic Boom said yes to having us film there. Uh, so that might happen, but we also have like cool apartments. We could just film in our apartments because the theme is really like a backdrop. We have a, a vinyl from Pacific Northwest um, art. Ooh. And I got those, the vinyl backdrop, uh, shout out to Sub Pop Records and Crane City Music who donated those uh, vinyl sleeves. And we can pretty much hang that up anywhere. So we could just do that at our apartment as well. Um, but yeah, we're it, it, season two is gonna happen in September. Um, Ooh. Yeah, it's happening. Like it's 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 happening. And our we have a really great team. We have Alia um, from uh, the band Tres Leches, and we have Danny Denial, who goes by Danny Denial, and also has a band Darksmith. And again, my fiance uh, Jake Udy, who's an amazing writer. And we're just a team of five people, and it's very diverse. And um, we're yeah, we're just trying to trying to make a a TV show, open up some opportunities. Dang, oh, we're all awesome. short cartoons, like mini cartoons. Oh, so what? To stay in that theme of like like liquid television, like how MTV would show Beavis and Butthead or Eon Flux or Daria and stuff like that. And so I'm like, let's insert some like mini one minute cartoons in the show. So if you have a cartoon, oh. submit that to VideoBeboptv at gmail.com. <laughs> Dang, that's awesome. Yeah, we're hopefully as we go, we've all, none of us has ever done a TV show before. So as we go, we're hoping to just like make it better and better. We're hoping the first season is the worst season, basically. <laughs> yeah. that hopefully just, that's yeah. Hopefully that's the case. It just gets better and better. <laughs> Fingers crossed. For sure. <laughs>
So what are your guys' opinions on KXP? KXP? So you're part of the station. Mm -hmm. And um, I've got like mixed reviews from artists saying that they're supportive and sometimes they're not supportive on who they let on. And sometimes it's like really late at night. So they're like, I'm not going to be listening to the radio at 11 at night or something like that. (laughs) So what are your opinions on being part of the station? Um, I've enjoyed uh, doing my show. And I I get both sides of the argument because – um, but that's not so much the station as it is the individual DJ. We get to pick what we want to play. So uh, mm. I can't say KXP takes responsibility of what everyone chooses to play on the air at what time. They don't. They actually give us a lot of creative freedom. Um, so that really is the, um, the individual DJ. Um, the DJ before me, Charlize, had a very – had I, I shouldn't say very, but she had a different style than I did. And people have noticed that. And some people like it, some people don't, you know? So people can say I'm being, as a part of KXP, I'm being supportive or I'm not being supportive because I'm not playing this or whatever. So it's really, it's it's an individual DJ thing. So when people ask about how do I get my music on the radio, it's like, well, honestly, there isn't a formula to that either. It's the, mm-hmm. they like it. I don't even read, to be honest with you, one sheet, the one-off sheets or the, the what do they call those, the uh, electronic press kits or whatever. I don't read that. I'm just kind of like, I don't really care if you used to play in Rolling Stones. <laughs> Am I going to like this single? <laughs> and if, yeah. if anything, because you played in the Rolling Stones, and, you know, then you're going to be in the back of the line because you've already had your chance in representation to bring up some new people. Um, so that's not going to help you, really, uh, at least for my as far as my show goes, right? So there's a, I have a lot of freedom on my own show, and so people can interpret that as KXP not being supportive or KXP being supportive, um, mm. not in the overall like station. Uh, you know, they don't dictate what we get to play, so it's not so it's not so black and white like that. Uh, and I think some people maybe just feel undersupported because um, maybe they tried submitting, but. Maybe they didn't submit to the right DJ. There's a lot of DJs. Mm. There's like 40 of us or 30 of us. There's a lot. Damn. Um, some of them are subs. They sit in on different shows. There's a lot of DJs. Um, so maybe they only submitted to one DJ and they submit to the same one, two, three DJs and they keep getting rejected. And they're like, KXP doesn't support me and my music. It's like, well, I didn't hear it or so-and-so. Here. <laughs> There's a lot of us. So, that's kind of a generalization, you know, to just assume it just means the entire station hates what you do. Um, I played things that listeners didn't like, and I was like, well, I like it, and I'm going to play it again next week. Um, so it's really, I guess, relative <laughs> is the right word. And I mean, like, I feel, and I'm not speaking on behalf of KXP or any radio station, but I do feel like I, that I've learned as I've, you know, been around Eva or, uh, you know, even Kellen, my older brother, yeah. like, uh, it's a lot, I think a lot of people just are a little misinformed or don't necessarily know what goes on in the background of radio stations to be able to know, you know, what they can or cannot play. Or as Eva said, maybe you sent it to the wrong DJ, you know what I mean? And all of it, like I said, still goes back to that same word, being resilient. You can't just be like, oh, well, I said, I keep sending it to these two. I keep sending it to these two and nobody plays it. So they don't support me and how they, you know, how can they say they support the community when they don't play my music? You know what I mean? Like it's, there's more than one avenue, you know what I mean? And you mm-hmm. try to exhaust every avenue as you can as possible. You know what I mean? And so. We didn't get paid on KXP for the longest. I was going to say, we, we, our first 
seven years, I don't remember getting any. I remember submitting Woman in Black to KXB, and they didn't play it. And later on, like, they played it when they Mm -hmm. liked other stuff we submitted. But you just keep submitting. And technically, technically, our first big press came from Afropunk. And and they featured uh, us in an article, and I believe they talked about uh, the key of black. And then Afropunk had uh you know featured us in their in their article then seattle was like oh wow we have these this band in our backyard <laughs> you know what i mean oh yeah. it took us like a i believe they're in new york right like it took a new york uh you know uh publication. publication to run us and then for seattle to be like oh wow you know what i mean so like it wasn't there's just more than one avenue you know what i mean like there could be other ways you know what i mean like Jimi Hendrix, right? Had to go over to Europe, and then all of a sudden came back here and was. And now Seattle's like, I claim you. They didn't really. They didn't claim him when he was. Some people yeah. are gonna be. Some people are gonna be late to your to your party. You know what I mean? And you know, and if they are, better later than never, right? But there's always other avenues you can and, take. And sometimes it's not the first or the second record. Maybe it's the third record, and then it's like, oh, this one's a good one. It's like, don't stop submitting because the first few you submitted, you know, weren't to whatever the DJs, I don't agree with all the DJs' uh, taste in music. And when I say agree, I just mean like, there'll be stuff, they're just like, this is amazing, we have to play it. And it's just like, oh, it's not that great. And vice versa. And that's okay. So there's a very diverse, um, a diverse, like, taste in, taste in, I don't know why words are hard right now. <laughs> very like, diverse taste in music because there's so many DJs. And um, we have a lot of, uh, a freedom as DJs, which I really appreciate that about KXP. So anyone that wants to submit music or wants it on the air, just be consistent. Keep submitting. That's part of the grinding process. That's part of the thing I said earlier with getting a hundred no's to one yes. And I think mm. Denzel Washington who said something that's like, if you're knocked down seven times, well then get up and be like prepared to be knocked down for an eighth time. Like you just have to keep doing it. Don't, I mean, I got people be like, why isn't my band this? Why is my band this? I have this band's doing this and they're not that good. And it's like, I'm like, well, how long do you have? Been? Like, Oh, a year. It's like, well, that has been around for about 15 years and kind of slowly build up their base. So it's like, you know, like guys, it takes time. We're still, we're not done yet because of Weezer and Death Cabin. Are you kidding me? <laughs> There's so much stuff that's like, goes into just like trying to remain uh consistent and i guess relevant when you use that word it's like it's it's always a grind just keep submitting music it's don't feel discouraged because they didn't play the first record or single or whatever just keep doing it and i'm there so i mean i like to think of myself as pretty fair but also (laughs) you know there's a zillion other djs and you can submit submit music to any of them Mm, for sure so, what are your guys' opinions on the protest and Chaz slash Chop? I, I, you know, I we kind of addressed it, you know, on our Facebook page not too long ago, and you know, I'm really proud of the things that are going on, and you know, seeing the protests not just in Seattle but all over the country, all over the world, uh, knowing that people are getting behind this. Uh, I mentioned how you know four years ago, back in 2016, my wife. My sister, one of my wife's friends, we went to a Black Lives Matter march, and I think there was barely a hundred of us there. You know, and turn around four years later, 
the entire nation is protesting, you know, in places like Wyoming and Iowa and, you know, the, you know, places you wouldn't typically think would be like, you know, protesting a black, black lives matter. So, you know, it's great to see that. Um, I also did share though, uh, you know, my skepticism too about how I've seen this plenty of times before where Americans get mad, Americans, you know, talk about, let's get to the community. Uh, we got to uplift the, the black community and people of color and, you know, kind of bring them up. But the thing is, is these things happen again, you know, and then we see another video and then we're mad and we're upset and Americans get mad again. And we talked about how, you know, to get change, we need legislation, we need laws. So we need these protests to continue, but we also need people to vote. And I understand and I get how, you know, sometimes, especially back in 2016, and I can tell coming up now that, you know, people are discouraged, people don't like their choices, but also you have to, you have to vote. Too many people fought and bled to give Americans their right to vote. And we need to go out here and we need to do what's right and, and most people know what the right thing is to do because most Americans are smart. Most Americans are, are good people. And most Americans want the same thing. They want to be able to wake up. They want to go to work. And they want to come home to their families, you know? And they, and they just want peace of mind. That's all anybody wants, you know? Like, no one wants anything more than that. You typically, you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> so, like, we have to do the right thing. And we have to get out and vote no matter how hard that is. You know, grit your teeth if you have to. You know what I mean? But we have to get out there. We got to get the right person in the White House, okay? And we need to get the right person. That's going to be the president for all Americans. I understand a campaign is difficult. And, you know, I'm still relatively young. And I've seen presidents campaign, Democrat and Republican. And, of course, they campaign to their base. But once they get in office, they know it's time to bring the country together. And, unfortunately, we haven't had that in the last, you know, almost four years. We just had somebody that's been sitting there and literally being the president of 46% of the country. So, you know, that's why you have the problems you have right now. And we need to do the right thing and we need to bring everybody back together because we're stronger together and that's how it should be. And we need to, you know, like history is so important and people just need to be aware of, of what's happening. I mean, we as black Americans, taxpayers, okay, don't want to feel like we're paying taxes for our own death sentence because we got pulled over because a, a, a blinker was out or whatever. It's completely um, ridiculous. And why is it that when you listen to black music and black people talk, our music has a certain message that kind of all correlates together, right? And our messages correlate. We're not making this race thing up. It all correlates. I've never met Nina Simone, but we have the same messages in our music because the same thing's happening to us. You know, we're not, all the blacks don't just get together in an underground meeting of 40 million people. 42 million. 42 million people, <laughs> which doesn't even include the prison population, which is completely underrepresented, by the way, so we don't even know mm. if that number is accurate. But the 40 million, 42 million blacks don't get together and have a secret meeting and go, okay, let's complain about racism and make it a fake thing today. Like, that doesn't happen. Okay, it all correlates because it's all it, it's real and it's happening and uh, black people are discriminated against uh, systematic racism is a real thing white privilege is a real thing and 
people need to be able to look at that and face that. And I think one of the reasons why people don't want to change or they don't want to believe it is because, and, and white people uh, specifically, is because um, they, they've been told their lives how great their great, great, great grandparents were and how American they were and how um, proud their family is of them. And most of them don't want to look back and be like, oh, my great, great grandfather was actually a slave owning asshole. They don't want to look at that. If someone told me, hey, Eva, your grandpa was actually a jerk, like my grandpa was a big influence on my life. Yeah, I wouldn't want to believe that either. But my grandpa, no, that's crazy. You're just complaining something you did or you put that on yourself. Mm. Like, you know, I don't want to believe that either. But if he was an asshole, which thankfully he wasn't, um, as far <laughs> as I know, um, like if he was, it's like you've got to face that fact and realize like, no, your family or family members in the past contributed to this systematic way of how we do things in America that's not fair to people that are brown um, and that mm. have type four hair. And that have brown eyes. Like it's not. It's that's that's where you're coming from. And of course, not all of them. We know that. Um, but also the story of people being like, "Well, my family wasn't slave owners. My family came here as immigrants from Ireland, and they blah blah blah, and they worked hard, and we didn't have." And it's like, great, I respect that story. But also, Irishmen are white, and so they still had a better opportunity coming to America, <laughs> being born here born here has paid taxes for as old as I was able to pay taxes, you know? Um, and so it's like, so these white immigrants do get treated differently than the brown people that are here. So I'm just like, yeah, well, I'm still working hard for some reason, still being called a nigger on my way to the store. It's like, good for your story. I'm glad that they worked hard and got to where they're at. I want to work hard and get places too. But for some reason, I can't. And is that because I'm black? What is that? Now, not every black person obviously has like, you know, we obviously accomplished shit, obviously, you know, like, because we're great, you know, um, <laughs> we just, you know, there would be a lot more of us in positions of power if it wasn't so segregated. And so like, oh, let's not give black people bank loans to start businesses. That's a real thing that actually happened. Um, and, you know, we talk about uh, slavery and Martin Luther King. And it's like, great, we should be talking about those things. But we should also talk about the Black Wall Street that was destroyed by racist whites. We don't talk about that enough. Um, we don't talk about a lot of examples in history that just shows that we haven't really gone anywhere. Um, and like that, I lost my train of thought. But well, well, to, to address like the protest, like it is nice, and because I, I remember asking, I asked my mom the other day, and I was like, "Mom, you know, you you've seen stuff like this before, and like, what, you know, what's the difference uh, for you, or what do you think? Like, is this kind of the same, or is it better, or is it worse?" And she's like, "Well, the ma the major difference, Cedric, because you know, you had the black handers, they were all out there and stuff like that. But typically, when she was younger, like it was just black people." And she was like, major difference is like, there are black people, there are white people, there are Asian people, there are all colors of people out there protesting. Around the world. To, to fight for the same thing. And I do think that some of these European people are starting to understand if you want to come to America and you want all of America's glory and all of its history and you want to be a citizen, you also need to accept 
America's original sin. And you also need to accept the dark part of America and realize that you're coming into that part of, you're coming into that country as well and, and, and recognize it and know that the people that have lived here that have this, you know, that, you know, that are black or brown have, have been treated unfairly. You know what I mean? So coming in and saying, Oh, I'm, I'm an immigrant too. You know what I mean? Like you have to understand this is a skin color thing, you know, like that's what this is about. Like your fair skin is giving you a pass and like, that's what, mm. it, and so I, I'm hopeful and I'm, I'm definitely glad to see that, you know, the, the country is, is trying to move forward. And I think that, you know, a lot of people are trying to keep the conversation going. It's great to see, you know, I go on Amazon and, you know, my wife goes on Amazon. We're trying to buy these books and all these books about racism and stuff like that. They're all sold out. They're gone. There's nothing there. Um, I know when I first met my wife, who happens to be white, you know, she was reading all these kind of books. She totally understands things now. She totally gets it. She's entrenched in American history and knows that the American history she learned in school isn't quite the history that America is. You know what I mean? So she gets mm -hmm. it now. And so, you know, fast forward, here we are four years later, after doing all the reading she did, you know what I mean? Like she's, you know, 100% ally. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping and praying that a lot of these, you know, white people, Asian people, whoever went out here and bought these books and stuff are going to have that same experience. They're going to finally entrench themselves in the black part of American history. You know what I mean? Because black history is also American history. And people mm -hmm. have been trying to just, you know, uh, dwindle, dwindle it down to slavery, Abraham Lincoln saved them. Martin Luther King ended ended everything, and, that, and that's how they're trying to that's how they're trying to portray it. And that's not how it went, you know. Like it, it has to, you know, we have to get into the details of it. And when you get into the details of it, it gets dirty. It get, you know, of course, for white people, there's going to be some guilt, and you know what I mean. It, it, but we have to face that. The, the only way to move forward is to face it. You know what I mean. And that's what the Germans did with the Nazis. You know, they they teach their high school. Uh, kids in their in their middle school kids about uh, uh, the Nazi party in Germany. So they don't make the same mistakes, you know, instead we're, you know, hanging up Confederate monuments and letting people turn the Confederate flag into some heritage meaning like that's like we all know that's false, you know what I mean? And so America has to get off of this false narrative and this thing, this, this whole uh, obsession of like, well, it's just a history thing. And, and America has a problem of doing that, of turning things into what it quite is, really is. It. And they tell you, well, I'm not trying to twist your words, but, and then proceed to twist your words. Like, <laughs> like the whole police thing. Like, of course people want police. Of course people, people want to believe in the police. This isn't black lives versus police lives. This is black people versus racist people infiltrating the, the police department. We want this has mm. nothing to do with blue lives matter. This has nothing to do with that. And people twist it. And they want you to make it and, and turn it into to something where it's like, well, it's us against them. No, I want to believe in the police department. I want to believe in the people who help protect paying tax citizens. Mm. You know what exactly. I mean? Like, I'm totally okay with that. The, the concept of that is fantastic to me. But why is it so difficult for me to say, hey, can we make sure this department doesn't have racist cops in it? How does that turn into, oh, well, blue lives matter? Wait, no, that's not what I just said at all. Like, we want <laughs> law and order. I'm, I, and maybe people will be like, oh, no, she said that. But, like, no, I'm not for anarchy. And I, I, I no, I, I want law and order. The thing, the problem is, is, like, if someone 
robbed my house. I want to be able to call the police, but I feel like we're at this point where if I call the police, they'll shoot me first and then ask questions, you know, mm. and that's not right. And so like, yes, we want the police and people, I feel like the people at uh, CHOP in a way, you know, they want law and order also. And people, they, they just don't want it infiltrated by the Ku Klux Klan, you know? Exactly. They just um, don't trust the, the institutions we have now. That's why they created It's been God. infiltrated way too much that it needs to be abolished and redone. And communities really need to be policing their own communities. We, you know, and I want to, you know, I, I appreciate the white people who've been going out there reading books and putting themselves and, and educating themselves without asking, you know, ask a black person and just doing the work themselves. I really appreciate that. And we appreciate that. And, and we're not trying to say you should feel ashamed for being white because that's how we've been felt. We've been told we should be ashamed for being black. I wouldn't want anyone to feel ashamed for how the universe made them, how naturally made them, how their their parents naturally made them. I don't want anyone to feel ashamed for being white, black, Asian, trans, queer, um, cis, anything. Um, we need to be ashamed of our history and confront it and be like, look, this is this. Uh, but no one should feel ashamed of their race. And it's been happening to the black race for a very, very long time. Uh, that our only crime was being born brown. Mm. Like, I mean, that's that's unbelievable. I, I can't even, and my fiance is white, like Finland white, so like the whitest of the white, white. And like type one hair, like my God. Uh, I, you could say on paper, I have every reason to never date a white American guy, right? You can say that because of America's history, blah, blah, blah. But the importance of individualism is important to me as well. And um, I also, and he's someone, you know, that uh, thinks I'm beautiful. He's done nothing but uplift me and tell me how beautiful I am and um, my value and, and all of that. And it's just, you know, like, we don't want, I, I can't just not like him, let's go back to when I met him, just because he's white. That doesn't, there's something in my brain that doesn't understand that chemical balance of a racist person, hating someone because of their skin color. It doesn't make sense to me, I can't relate to it. Um, racism to me is like getting a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, okay? and cutting it down the middle. And so they're rectangles. And saying, I don't like this peanut butter and jelly sandwich because it's not cut in triangles. It's all the same fucking ingredients. Sorry, I'm cursing much on your thing, sorry. No, it's fine, yeah, it's fine. It's like humans are peanut butter and jelly sandwiches made with muscle, bone, blood, nerves, all of that. But some are cut into triangles and some are cut into rectangles. It doesn't matter. Eat the damn sandwich, right? <laughs> you know, there's strawberry jelly and there's grape jelly. There's black people and there's white people and there's Asian people. It's like we're all human, but we need to see color and we need to appreciate it. We need to love it and love all shapes that your peanut butter and jelly 
sandwich comes in because it's all it's gonna taste the damn same no matter how it's cut. The the other bigger problem too, hear a lot of people say like, well, oh, you know, is this just hate a white person? Because I've heard people tell me this is hate a white person day or like I or as even said, I don't want to be ashamed to be white. And it's and for me, it's like if racism include is included on uh, in your way of being proud to be white, then you have a bigger problem. That's a much bigger problem. You have a really big problem. You know what I mean? Like, there's other <laughs> things in my culture I would like to think besides racism. <laughs> like, I, I like that white people have a lot more to offer than just racism. I really do. You know what I mean? So, like, if, if someone questions that, like, and says, oh, well, that was racist or this, that, and the other, and then you take it as, well, you're offending my culture. Like, oh, that's, that's not a good thing, and man. And if you're a true... <laughs> true all these people who claim to be true real americans if you're a true american who believes in the constitution who believes in the declaration a real patriotic american you would never wave a confederate flag because they were the traitors they killed the people with american flags you that they, they were traitors you're not a real patriotic american every time you wave that confederate flag it's just not true you can't be for the traitor and also be 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 american for sure. Well, I love everything that you guys are doing, those platforms. I'm going to definitely check out your show. Your video game is really fun. Your new album's fun. I've listened to your two new singles. What are the names of your singles that you dropped in um, 2020 so far? There's The the Devil and His Grandmother and uh, Where Do We Go Now. Mm, they both were really fun. And uh, I love your guys' energy a lot. And um, I tell all my guests, I, I, have a, I record at the station and I also record at my studio in downtown Seattle. So once things open up, I'd love to have all my guests back there once everything's, you know, clear and I can help promote them in other ways too. Yeah. So what is some advice that you guys have for up and coming artists, creators, influencers? Uh, you know what I'm going to say. <laughs> Resilience. <laughs> like do not give up on your craft, especially if you believe in it and it's something you love. Like resiliency is everything. And, and you have to have that with a, with a, thick skin which will be built over time you know because people are going to come at you and they're going to tell you how oh you should be doing it this way or this is the right way to do it or this you know that's the wrong way to do it like stay true to yourself because that's the most important thing do not do not change yourself up you know unless you approve of it right unless you're the one that's like you know what i think i think i you know I want to switch it up, you know what I mean? Or, or maybe it's people you trust, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. Like, you know, like, cause I'm not saying don't take constructive criticism or anything like that. You know what I mean? Cause that's always important, but all of that leads to resiliency and just in, in fighting through whatever hardships you think you may have or what, what might, you know, make you want to quit. You know what I mean? Um, all I, I have to say is, um, to add to that is, um, take risks. Risks that you feel are risk to you. Everyone's taking risk is relative to the person to, to different people. Um, be a be a nice person. Be a good person. And I don't mean allow you know don't let people walk over you. I'm not saying that. Don't just lay down for anybody. Um, stick up for yourself. Um, but if you can be a nice person, just in general, and a good person. People will support you. They'll want to support you. Um, and um, keep be consistent. Keep grinding. Talk to people. Network. 
And um, man, I had another one that was good, and I lost it. Ah! Ah. Dang it! I lost it. It's not even that early, and I <laughs> I lost it. But take risk. Oh, I got I got the last one. Okay, so take risk. <laughs> be a nice person. Be consistent, and also if you have a guitar that was your uncle's that's 30 years old, maybe there's a crack in it, maybe the next bent, and that's all you have, but you love music and you want to play music, you want to record that music, and you play the hell out of that beat-up guitar, and you make music that means something to you because everybody else will follow if they believe in it too. They have to they have to believe you. You know, they have to believe that you believe in what you're doing. So it doesn't matter what equipment you have. It doesn't matter. You don't need to get the most expensive thing. You just do you. I've done songs acapella with no instrument, you know? Um, just have some soul. And by soul, I don't mean you have to sound like Al Green or you have, we don't play soul music, but by soul, I just mean like, like believe in what, believe you're, in what you're doing. <laughs> yes. You know, like Allison Chains has soul to me. You know, Bone Doesn't Harmony has soul to me. Aretha Franklin has soul to me. There's soul to genre, and then there's just soul to feeling that comes through in your music. For sure. And what is the easiest way to reach you guys? Um, we're on all of the social media. So it's just the Black Tones. Um, and that's we have a website, theblacktones.com. Uh, Facebook is the Black Tones. Uh, Instagram, the Black Tones. Twitter, we're the Black the Tones. Underscore Black underscore Tones. tones. <laughs> Got it. Um, awesome. Yeah. Is, is there anything you want to promote? Awesome. Just the. You want to promote the concert quickly? Anything you want to, like, uh, what, what, what can people expect when they listen to your uh, show? It's, uh, it's going to be pretty fun. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be what the Black Tones do. It's like, we like to have fun and we want everyone to have fun with us. So we try to give off that energy so they can, they can get it too. So you can expect a really fun show. So I expect everyone to be dancing at home. Yeah. Uh, jumping on their couches. I'm talking to the adults. And then for the kids to be, you know, jumping around on the beds and stuff like that. Kids, so. jump on the couch, too. That's fine. <laughs> Tell your permission to jump on the couch. <laughs> it'll it'll sure. be a lot of fun. So what time is it at and what day? It is uh, Wednesday, June 24th, and it starts at 7 p.m. Awesome. Mm -hmm. This is the NAS Podcast with... Eva. Cedric. And you guys are... The, the Black, Black Tones. Tones.